We acknowledge the First Nations peoples of this land, the traditional custodians, and pay our respects to their elders past, present, and future. We recognise the ongoing impacts of colonisation and the importance of a voice to Parliament to ensure the sovereignty and self-determination of First Nation peoples is respected and upheld. We commit to working together towards a just and equitable future for all Australians. Hi, I'm Keely, and it's Tuesday, the 25th of April, 2023, Anzac Day in New Zealand and Australia. And I'm Wentz. And you're listening to... The, the New, New Blurt. I can't take it anymore! Good afternoon, good evening, good day, and good morning, Blurtsters, wherever you are around the world. You are listening to The New Blurt. Tonight, I am coming to you from Wurundjeri country, the Kulin Nation, or the Wurrung people. Sovereignty was never ceded, always has been, and always will be Aboriginal land. Good evening, Wensi. How are you going? Uh, good evening, Kexter. Uh, before we start, I respectfully acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which I live and work, the Yagra and Turbul peoples. Uh, sovereignty was never ceded. I am doing fine and super happy, as you are, I'm sure. Oh, yes, absolutely. Uh, trying to think why that may be. Uh, let's. Uh, I just I just want to say, just in case we have any Essendon supporters listening, um, I just want to say, look, I'm really sorry uh, about today. I understand you must be feeling uh, pretty bad, but um, it's just the way it is sometimes. Yes. I hope it's definitely loud. <laughs> definitely. Uh, uh, yes. yes. Our, uh, our old friend, um, oh, I can't remember. Uh, we had a, a very loyal uh, watcher for quite a while, and I can't remember what her name was, but I know she I didn't like Collingwood. No. Oh, yes. She's, she's, a, uh, she's a Geelong supporters fan. Yes, yes. Well, we beat you too, Vicky. (laughs) (laughs) So there you go. So 28 points down, you just can't put us away. Uh, Big comeback um, in the fourth quarter. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. But look, enough of that. Tonight's show is not about the pies, although it should be, really. But um, obviously on Anzac Day, we... um, give uh, thanks and commemorate uh, fallen heroes as um, per the title of the show. I don't have anyone directly or indirectly that I know of in my family that served, etc. Um, who's alive anymore. Do you know of any history in yours? Being an immigrant, I have no direct um, connection to it. Um, I do deeply respect and it does bring a tear to my eyes every year when, when, Anzac comes around. Uh, I've been to one, maybe two dawn services. Oh, really? Or okay. commemorations. I think one dawn yeah. and one during morning, uh, like mid-morning type event, um, yeah. community events. I don't know of anyone directly like yourself, but my partner, her granddad and grandma didn't serve during the war, but during the war they were doing things um, to help the country, things like, um, I think, her granddad was um, worked with in mechanics or something to do with trams or transport or something. Right, right, right. Exactly. Yeah. So there, there Help was a war effort, as it were. Yeah, 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 yeah. It, it was interesting today. I was in the city watching um, the Pies win, and uh, yeah, the amount of even young 
you know, young soldiers that had sort of medals, etc., that mm. were in the pub that I was in, um, just felt humbled by what they must go through. You know, I've never been a an advocate for war. I'm still not. Mm. Um, and I have not many I've agreed with. I think World War Two and World War One's probably a little bit different. You sort of just get sucked into the vortex of just trying to protect your self, I suppose, in the end. Mm. You know, most of the other ones I'm pretty much against. Uh, well, against all of them, really. But some yeah. you may not have a, a choice, as it were. But, yeah, no, look, it's an amazing day. And I do like the way that Lee on Anzac Day um, commemor- commemorated all through mm. all the Anzac Day AFL games is so uh, so much enormous respect for yes um you know what's what's come before so mm. it is an amazing day and and darcy moore the cap uh, is he captain of the yeah. Pies, yeah. who yeah. accepted the trophy this evening yeah. um had a beautiful speech at the end when he accepted the trophy um thanking all the servicemen who service people who've lost their lives who are currently serving and their families who also suffer um so he had a he, he made a great speech. Um, he's that I really really good. Not only is he an amazing footballer, he's a very articulate, erudite young man. I'm not sure if he's 30. He'd be somewhere near it now. Um, his dad, Peter Moore, is a very classy guy as well. So mm. he's um you know he's taught him well. Uh, yeah, ex Collingwood player, of course, for those yeah, playing well, at home. and Melbourne as well. But some. Yep. Um, but really, uh, I suppose we can't go any further until we talk about the Wonder Boy, Nick Dacos, who's like mm. 20 years old and it looks like he's going to win a brown loaf in his first <laughs> second year of football. So oh, let's hope so. It's just just <laughs> ridiculous. But even him being nearly 20, the um, the Anzac uh, Day medal speech that he gave was um, mm. not bad for a 20-year-old as well. Just, yeah, just a really classy individual. Yeah. But before we go any further with any of that, I thought I might just give the rundown for the show tonight. So we're going to have a party in the USA, and as usual, it's not much of a party. We're going to just touch on a little bit um, abortion laws in the US that are just going nuts at the moment. There's another one just been passed, I think, in North Dakota by the governor of North Dakota. He said that uh, I think it's the first six weeks. Within the first six weeks, you can have an abortion after that you can't and then obviously uh there's many women that don't even know they're pregnant in the first six weeks that's brilliant and also that doesn't take into consideration rape or incest so wonderful man wonderful tucker carlson of uh, fox news um actually i've got a little bit on uh tucker carlson but we'll talk about that in a minute because he's now just left fox news and uh and he's apologized on air now so I'll, i'll play that later and then obviously we've got the Dominion happening there and Crikey as well. So we'll touch on that a little bit and we'll touch on who's running in 2024. Chinese takeaway tonight, talking about uh, people are now coming back to China from a tourist perspective. I believe you had an, uh, what was your um, your segment you were talking on Chinese takeaway? Uh, when um, Chinese outposts and the latest on that. Uh, Chinese outpost, as in police outposts in the US and abroad other countries. Okay. Something that I touched on in a previous episode, but I'll get into more details later. Excellent. And last but not least, we're talking good news. And tonight I'm going to talk about the hairy-nosed wombat making a comeback. Many people thought that, um, unfortunately, he, she, them, might have been extinct. But it doesn't look like they are. They've got a little bit of footage. I've got a little bit of show and tell. So, yeah, we'll, we'll do that. And that should wrap the show up nicely. Now, before we go any further, 
the thing we do like to do uh, each week is when we give ourselves or give each other or whatever it is homework, we like to um, we like to actually do some research on the homework and give the listeners a little bit of information. Um, now, my homework was to find out and get a specifics on what pigeons do when it comes to diagnosing cancer. Now, yeah, right. I talked about leukemia last week. Now, look, I was, I was, you know, I was around the mark, but I wasn't as exact and as specific as I'd like to be. So I have a tiny little, little video. It does not go for very long at all. Mm-hmm. We'll show you exactly. Yeah, we'll show you exactly what they do. So I guess it's a couple of minutes, so just bear with us. Disparaged as rats with wings and often declared a public nuisance, pigeons must be one of the most unloved birds. But scientists are finding that these city birds may deserve more respect than we have traditionally granted them. Research has already shown that pigeons can distinguish emotional expressions on human faces, letters in the alphabet, and even paintings by Monet versus Picasso. It turns out pigeons, whose brains are just the size of a walnut, can practice pathology as well. That's nuts, isn't it? It really is. Walnuts, in fact. <laughs> Very true. Research has already emotional expressions by Monet versus Picasso, whose brains are just the size of a walnut, can practice pathology as well. Scientists from the University of California, Davis, the University of Iowa, and Emory University have demonstrated in a new study that pigeons can be as good as humans at detecting cancer. For the experiment, eight birds were placed individually in a box, while images of actual breast tissue samples showing cancer cells or cells that were not cancerous were projected onto a screen inside. The scientists trained the birds to peck on a certain screen if the cells appeared malignant and another one if they looked benign. Whenever the bird was correct, it received some grain as a treat. The results were astonishing. In the course of 15 days, the pigeons improved their ability to tell the difference between malignant and benign breast tissue from 50% at the beginning of the study to 85% by the end of it. That's probably better than beginning medical students, the scientists said, but not as good as seasoned pathologists. When they tried the flock sourcing approach, pooling together the decisions from a group of four birds, the birds' accuracy spiked to an impressive 99%. The birds didn't do as well identifying suspicious densities or masses on mammograms. That's a task even clinicians may find difficult, the researchers said. But the scientists think the remarkable results from the study could help them find efficient ways to train humans on how to detect cancer visually and prove useful in developing new image-based diagnosis technologies. So that was my uh, homework. And um, as you can tell, I was I was near the mark, but that's mm. just phenomenal. It yeah. just shows you how smart they are. Just incredible, incredible stuff. Amazing birds. Was indeed. Now, um, you had a bit of uh, stuff you wanted to talk about, uh, Wincy. Yeah, um, as a bit of a segue before we get onto some of the couple of things that you're referring to, um, in Belgium, um, they over the weekend they did a um, a seagull competition. Uh, human, oh, wow. yeah. So a seagull screeching competition where they get humans to um, <laughs> to imitate seagulls. <laughs> 
and the best. Please tell me, please tell me you've got uh, you've got show and tell on this. I, really I sure to, do. I have oh, show fantastic. and tell for this. Um, so the winner um, is determined on best uh, uh, vocal imitation, as well as uh, some points are given to them imitating uh, dressing up as well. So oh, I'll just quickly play this one. This is the the first uh, one that you see is the uh, was the winner. Oh right, Forget okay. his name. Okay. Uh, he's Belgium from memory, but here we go. Holy crap! Uh, this lady came second. She was dressed up in a um, feathered outfit. I'm I'm voting for her. <laughs> This is a gaggle of seagulls, if, if that's the term from group. <laughs> that's pretty good, that last one. He was phenomenal, I reckon. He was yeah, the very first crazy. one. This is Belgium, yeah? Yeah, it's... I've, I, I, I've been to Belgium. That doesn't surprise it, me. It is no. a really <laughs> fucking boring place. So <laughs> that does not surprise me at all. So what do you do for entertainment? Oh, I just imitate seagulls. <laughs> uh, admittedly, the winner um, uh, is uh, studies theatre and, and production, things like that. So, yeah, it's um, how he learned how to imitate a, a seagull. Don't know, but he's obviously a thespian, so yeah, he, he's no, happy to nice act. Job. Nice yeah, job. Yeah, so. Very, very good. Actually, yes. talking about people screeching and whining and, and all the rest of it, um, I thought that would be quite a good uh, segue to play um, uh, Tucker Carlson from um, uh, from Fox News. Uh, his his apology to um, to his listeners, because as what you, you may or may not know, he has now officially resigned off the air, I think, last night or the night before or something. Did he resign uh, or did he get the chop? Oh, no, Rupert obviously pushed him off because Rupert yeah, knows okay. that he's in deep shit with the Dominion lawsuit mm. and now the Smartmatic so, um, lawsuit, which is $2.7 So it be interesting if uh, he goes for settlement on that way. One as well. He'll be down uh, probably $1.6, $1.87 mm. something like that. So yeah. um, we'll just see where it goes. Anyway, this is Tucker Carlson's on-air apology. So enjoy this. There's much fallout this evening, and there will be for months. We are admitting that we lied to you for saying the wrong things about the, the 2020 election. Now, why is that? Well, the truth is Donald Trump lost the election. And no, we didn't tell you because we don't care what you think. Now we have to pay hundreds of millions of dollars. We were wrong. We are completely irresponsible, and we're sorry, America. I'm sorry for repeating something that was untrue. I'm sorry, I just got to take a quick break mm -hmm. and go cry in a closet while squeezing a stuffed animal. Ah. <laughs> uh, for those listening on the uh, on the podcast, uh, mm. that was not him continuously saying the same, that statement. It was a mashup of all of his uh, uh, commentaries that he's had over the years. So that's <laughs> quite funny. Very yes. cleverly uh, stitched up. Thank you very much, The Daily Show. <laughs> Very, very nicely done. Uh, nice one. Very, very nicely done. Um, also, I had, um, I did have another show and tell. Have you got another show and tell in banter before we? Uh, um, I think we're starting to run out of time. I was, 
I'll, I'll put them in the show notes, but I just quickly wanted to mention um, the sad passing of Father Bob Maguire in Melbourne. Oh, yes. yes, um, yes. Who yep. is, was a much-loved priest, even for a non-religious uh, person like myself. I admired his dedication to the people around South Melbourne um, with his foundation that he um, formed. And uh, the other person that we lost this week was Barry Humphreys. So oh, another, yes, another icon. So yeah, we've lost a couple of big people. Father Bob, he was a massive mm. pastor. Oh, was he? Oh, he was indeed. That. He did. Yes, he did quite a bit at the Collingwood uh, Football Club. Um, and him and John Saffron from Triple J fame yeah. had a podcast mm-hmm. for quite a long time. Yeah, they did. Um and and also he's going to get a state funeral, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, I saw that this evening. That's pretty cool. Well deserved. Did you have any show and tell on that, or they, I, I do have videos, but they go for three or four minutes each. So oh, okay, we'll, okay. we'll save that. I'll save no that problem. in the links. Okay, and is that same with Dame Edna as well? Yes, for Dame Edna. Yeah, there's some. Obviously, uh, the Hello Possum was a big. Oh yes, uh, was her big uh, catch cry, I guess, or. But yeah, great characters. Does, does she slash he talk about where that came from? Like, what? How did they come up with the? Oh, Hello that Boston? I don't know. No, it's not in this video. But oh, right, it, okay. it was just a mashup of a lot of their, um, a lot of yeah. his characters and and cool. just funny bits. Yeah, we'll have it all in the show notes. So that'll be cool. Yep. One of my faves is Les Patterson. I love Les. Mm. Patterson. Very funny. Oh, uh, sure is. Very wrong. Super wrong. But yeah, <laughs> I love him. Great. Great. Uh, one of his comments was uh, he, he loved the fact that. Sir Les was so popular that um, that was the first impression that many people from overseas got of Australians. That is this typical of a, what an Australian looks like and behaves like, and, and of course not. But yes, it was quite funny. Oh, there was there was a few that did. There was a few oh, there was definitely people who were like him, but it's not it, all it, of us. It, it, no, 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 absolutely. But he was modelled off some, um, uh, you know. Uh, of someone or some mm. people, as it were. Some anyway, people, yeah. I've got, I've got something that only goes for 37 seconds. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty um, hair-raising, or should I say, deer-raising. It's probably, it's probably only about, only about nine, nine Ks away from here or 10 Ks away. So you're talking about a full stag in wow. a little house and uh, yeah the poor thing smashed itself around and there was blood in the house and blah 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 um it was yeah it was pretty bad but apparently so that was that's here happened. in melbourne yeah yeah absolutely wow. not very far from me at all yeah. apparently apparently that ha- that's happened a few times out that way because there's you know a bit of bush it doesn't take mm-hmm. that long to have a bit of bush out there and uh yeah, yeah. the deer's are deer's are, deer's are overriding um mm. so i don't know what is that, that in um in the suburb of deer park uh yes no i heard that i I did i heard that and and uh i can't i can't give you anything more than this i think which is uh, for that one uh that was a good uh, attempt for those who don't live in melbourne there is a suburb called deer park northern suburb from memory that that is true that is true Thank you very much. For the past three weeks, Biden has been spruiking his green initiatives with uh, 
um, things like the proposed regulations to speed the transition to electric vehicles, committing a billion dollars to help poor countries fight climate change, and is preparing um, uh, for what could be the first limits on greenhouse gas emissions from power plants in the US. But young voters in particular might turn their backs or at the very least be very unhappy with what he's doing because just a few weeks ago he okayed the eight billion dollar willow oil drilling project um, on pristine alaskan land so i'm not happy with that even when i heard about it from over here that they're doing this so here's similar to what we're seeing here in australia yes we want to exactly yes we want to reduce our our effects on the climate but hey we'll open up 100 more coal mines or 100 um oil oil drilling projects so yeah so biden's um yeah not not a uh, bit, bit on the nose with some some of the voters um what else can i say about it um you've also got to take into consideration that he this week he'll probably be announcing that he'll rerun for the election uh yeah i think he i I think he's already done that oh he has okay and and in fact i will um i i will uh um outline that in okay uh, when i because i I know it was happening either monday or tuesday depending on what time zone we're in so i couldn't yeah i didn't know that would happen so uh yeah it was it was suspected that he was going to run. Um, uh, one young voter by the name of Alex Harus, who's 25, said he and other young people felt betrayed by the Willow decision after, oh, excuse me, after Mr. Biden had pledged as a candidate that he would end new oil drilling on public lands. And he went, period, 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 if anyone remembers. Um, that that's what Biden said four or so years ago. Um, many other activists have also been interviewed and they've all been um, pretty upset with his decision on the Willow drilling uh, project. Um, what else? I don't think any of these things encourage people to forgive the Biden administration for projects like Willow, said Mr. Harus. Um, young voters see our future getting thrown out the window. We need Biden to take on the industry. Otherwise, there's not much for us to hope for all of that is true all of that is true and unfortunately not quite like this country but sort of similar they 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 have to keep voting for him Mm. (laughs) yeah because otherwise if you go the other way they'll be even worse absolutely it will be it'll be terrible they'll just kill the country yeah because they're that stupid um exactly right so um, yeah, so pretty upsetting for yeah. most of the world, especially when we see the US as uh, we look up to the US as leading on many things, and we hope that they were going to do more positive projects for for the climate uh, and and things like that, and hopefully get our countries, our governments to then follow suit. So it's a bit bit of a slap in the face for, especially after what he said. Uh, during his campaign to become president, that he would never, ever, ever um, no. open up new oil drilling projects. So, yeah, yeah very disappointing. So, yeah, pretty it is disappointing. I, look, yeah, I totally agree. Pretty despondent sort of stuff. Yeah. 
Yeah, but, so that, um, that, that's my part in the USA story. Not very Which, unfortunately, one. yeah. Well, this is the thing, isn't it? Part in the USA is such so ironic because it just mm. never is. It just uh, never is a party. It's just so much terrible, toxic mm. shit happening in that country at the moment. And don't even get us started on... Um, I mean, uh, you probably know this anyway, but I read this the other day. I mean... The number one way for kids under 12 to die in America is by gun, mm. which is just ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. just unheard of. Yeah. It's, I mean. Uh, and, if you're of, and if you're of color, that's even probably even more. So. Yeah. Well, as you uh, know, as you know, we've had Ash on before. Mm. And Ash is. Um, uh, Jamaican, he's, wasn't he? No. Yeah, he was either I think born, was born in Chile. Yeah, yeah. I think I it was know. somewhere around there. I think mm. I think you're right. I think he had a white mum and a and a black dad, and and they were from certain different areas. I can't remember, but he was um, when he was in America, he was saying to us, if you remember, that if if you get pulled over for whatever, you just you just instantaneously put your hands up, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Mm. It's just yeah. like just. Give them whatever it is they want and make sure they can see your hands at all times. It's just mm. disgraceful yeah. that they have to react that way, you know. Yeah. It's, it's really terrible. But anyway, uh, yeah, look, I think that's uh, really bad about mm. that. I mean, it's it's the same sort of deal that they're trying to open certain amount of coal mines here as well. And you're like, well, you know, that government sucks, which they do. But you have no choice because the other mm. government is just an absolute Sorry, the other the opposition are just an absolute waste of time. Yeah, yeah exactly. um, you know. So I'll tell you something that isn't a waste of time mm-hmm. is the blood bank, and um, I think we've been very lucky uh, to get some community service announcements on this mm-hmm. show because, as I have said before, very very um, pro the blood bank, and I've uh, mm-hmm. given blood about 40, 49 times or whatever mm-hmm. it is. So, um, yeah, so if you can, uh, do give blood and um, or even uh, plasma and because they need it all the time. Uh, very soon, as I say, hopefully within a month or so, we should get someone on from the blood bank or what are they called now? Uh, life bank. Uh, life blood, sorry. So, all right. So it used to be blood bank, now it's life blood. Correct. Right, yeah, okay. Been right. So the Red Cross life blood. Life blood, okay. Yeah. Fantastic, all right. That's so yeah so so lifeblood and we'll get someone on from lifeblood and that'd be fantastic. You and yeah, I need to wait. formulate some questions. But before we do, when you give blood, you're more than just a blood donor. You're the lifeblood of Australia. Search Give Blood and book your donation with Australian Red Cross Lifeblood today. Give life, give blood. Okay, now I understand why it's lifeblood. <laughs> That's um. <laughs> That makes sense to me now. Yes. I get that. I do get that. So what I want to talk about is who is running. I mean, you know, at the start of the show, we talked about a couple of things. I'm not going to go into any more details on those. But who is running in 2024 uh, for the American elections? And the people that we have who said they are running is, as you just said rightly before, uh-huh. um, President Joe Biden. So... Um, who will have the, to be uh, the oldest president? <laughs> He'll have to be the uh, oldest president to have run ag- again, hasn't he, for a second time? 
I'd reckon he'd have to be. I yeah. I mean, I'd, it'd be pretty hard to be older, I would have thought. Um, mm. To be any older, you'd probably be dead. Um, yeah. I don't... I don't <laughs> not I don't, that we wish that on him, but... No, no, definitely not. He's, <laughs> Jesus, no. He's the only thing keeping the country afloat at the moment. Mm. The other nongs get in over there, it's going to be a disaster. So... But, um, yeah, no, he's set to run again with a backing of his party establishment, placing him in a strong position to ward off rival Democrats who might believe they're better placed than the 80-year-old incumbent, as you so rightly said. On the other side is Orange Head. His early announcement and loyal following placing him at the forefront of the GOP list, i.e. the good old party um, or the great old party. The thing that I don't I like it really. They're yeah. not that good. No, they're pretty bad. They're pretty bad. They should change that. They should change their name to the BOP. Yeah. Um, there's, there's no doubt about that. They are rubbish. But anyway, um, but there's host of potential rivals such as uh, Ron DeSantis, who was just an absolute nut job, and uh, just waiting for the right time to show their hand. So mm. Ron DeSantis doesn't um, doesn't uh, basically doesn't want to t- teach critical race theory mainly because he has absolutely no idea what it is. What it means, and, yeah. uh And I will tell you what it means. It's all about the system, systemic and um, process-driven racism in America from go to woe, basically. And uh, whether he wants to accept it or not, that's his history. Mm. Um, and the history means that um, you need to improve the system so that uh, black uh, people, for a want of a better word, I don't have a better one at this stage, in America, um, Afro-Caribbean maybe is a better word, I'm not sure, um, can get out of that system and mm. have uh, the same equality as, uh, say, a Anglo or slash sort of white person. Yeah. Um, I, I think even Latinos in America are similar to the oh. uh, sort of black community when it comes to yeah. that sort of definitely persecuted or um yeah definitely a lot of laws not in their favor yeah absolutely absolutely and i was listening to a, a podcast the other day and there it was it was exposing a gop uh or republican i don't know if he's actual leader but definitely like a consultant consultant or something and what they've been doing is they were openly saying what we have to do is ensure that on campuses we don't have so many voting boxes. It's far too easy for the students to be able to vote because, as you know, it's not just an Australian thing. Kids around the world, anywhere from 17 onwards, uh, right up to 40, are not voting for these nutbags. Mm. You know, uh, in America last time, uh, in the uh, in the last election, which was against Herschel Walker and the Democrat incumbent, I can't, can't remember who it was. The reason that the uh, Democrat incumbent won is because of the massively high turnout for the um, the Gen Z uh, slash you know Gen Y, the millennial sort of population. Oh right. Um, so that that's what's getting them over the line at the moment, and that's why the Republicans are so uh, concerned and and worried and trying to work out all different ways to gerrymander so that um, so that the Gen Z, Gen Y, Millennials, yeah, they basically just can't vote. It's mm. pretty terrible. It's pretty terrible oh. stuff. Right. 
I wonder, I wonder if politics would be different in America if they had compulsory voting. Look, it's a really good question. I, 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 I think when I was younger, I didn't agree with compulsory voting, but I definitely do agree with it as I get older. I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm not, for, for me, if, if you don't vote, you can't complain about what governments are doing. I totally 100% agree with that. But should you be compelled to vote? Because, okay, so if it's compulsory voting, right, but you didn't want to vote, you have to vote. So you're probably going to donkey vote or you might even vote for someone who's crap because you don't care. Which we have had in Australian politics. But I think making it compulsory, even if you have those thoughts, I've got a feeling that those people eventually will go, all right, I had fun last time. I'll just put a vote for a more serious party this time. I don't think they they would do that all their lives. I think eventually yeah. they'll get the point. I think it's a good call. I think it's a good call. So, yeah, so I'm not sure. I'm, I, I am definitely in favour of um, mm. of um, compulsory voting. But, yeah, I'm, I'm not quite sure. But um, so just having a look here. So, as we know, Joe Biden's running. Marianne Williamson, who's a self-help author, spiritual and progressive activist, home state California, uh, was the first notable Democrat to challenge Mr. Biden for the party's nod in 2024. Oh, right. Okay. Once known as Oprah's spiritual advisor. Right. Oh, okay. And she's challenging Joe Biden because she believes she can contribute to the harnessing the collective sensibility that I feel is our greatest hope at this time. Well, look, I don't blame her. He's 80. Mm. Yeah. But this is the one I don't understand. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Right. Environmental lawyer and anti-vaccine activist. Anti-vaccine. Right, okay. That's why I said it slowly. Anti-vaccine activist. (laughs) He's 70 in 2024. He is filed paperwork to contest the 2024 primary as a Democrat. An environmental lawyer by trade, Mr. Kennedy is more widely known as an outspoken anti-vaccine campaigner. Worst part about that is that puts him on the Republican side many times or with the mm. nut jobs and the cookers. And that's, yeah, I don't think that's, that's a good thing. I don't no. think so. His anti-vaccine activism has elicited strong rebukes from other members of the Kennedy family as well as, well as from his wife, although she's supporting his presidential run. Mr. Kennedy... Kennedy has previously said his top priority of 2024 campaign to end the corrupt merger between state and corporate power that's ruined our economy, shattered the middle class, polluted our landscapes, waters, poisoned our children and robbed us of our values and freedom. So you read that and you go, excellent. might be a good candidate. Yeah, be really good. Um, And then you have to, yes, (laughs) correct. Then you have to throw in the anti-vaccine. You're like, oh God, how does that, you know, how does that equate? Mm. Sure. So... I don't know. I am not sure at all. How can he believe in science in, on one side for the climate, but not at the medical side? And is he in anti-vax just for COVID or is he in anti-vax for all vaccines? Yeah, it's a great question yeah. and I'm not sure. But the link will be in the show notes if you mm. want to um, discover a bit more on that one. But yeah, so that's an interesting one. Just, uh, yeah, so from the GOP, uh, I don't even know if Ron DeSantis has said he's running yet. I'm not mm. sure. He's the governor of Florida. 
he's uh, all about the don't say gay bill, et cetera, et cetera. But is I know... Idiot? Is he the idiot who was... No, who who said that he was anti-gay, but he was dressed up as a woman for... No, that's George Cabaret. Santos. Santos de Santo. Yes, DeSantis. Ron DeSantis okay, and what... George Santos. Right, yeah. that's why I'm getting confused. Okay. Yeah. No, that's fine. Yeah, he's uh, Ron DeSantis is, um, or as Orange Head likes to call him, Ron DeSanctimonious. Is, uh, he's got a name for everyone, hasn't he? Yeah, he has. He's got a few names for him, actually. But uh, yeah, anyway, he is the governor of Florida. He won Florida pretty easy for them last time. But I, I, I'm not sure exactly where that state is going from a mm. you know progressive. Uh, but I think there's a big gerrymander in that state. I'm not, that's not 100% sure, but... There definitely was a massive one in New York, and that's why mm-hmm. the Republic, Republicans won that one. Yeah. Um, and the Democrats weren't uh, awake to it enough. But anyway, that is enough uh, party in the USA for this week. Yeah. I think uh, Ash wants to say something, and after he does, we'll have a bit of Chinese takeaway. Hi, it's Ash Fizeme here, and you're listening to The New Blurt with Wayne C. and Texter. I like Chinese. I like Chinese. There's 900 million of them in the world today. Check in line for China Eastern Airlines flight to Shanghai, New York's International Airport last week. I'll just uh, show that for a little bit of show and tell people on the pod. Shockers. That's all you really need to know. Shockers. Just your um, everyday uh, international <laughs> terminal, but probably more so. <laughs> pretty much so. Pretty much so. So when the Chinese government announced last week that it would f- re- uh, fully reopen, this article is a little bit old, but um, it still stands uh, to reason that many people on this um, pod wouldn't have heard about it a lot. Um of relief to millions of Chinese immigrants overseas who've been separated from their relatives in 2020. A uh, flood of visitors has yet to arrive. Um, uh, Lou Wee, 62, who lives in San Diego, recently spent hours at a local travel agency filling out heaps of paperwork to get there. She bought a ticket for later this month to reunite with her sisters in northeastern port city of Dalian. Round trip um, business class tickets from San Diego to Dalian cost between 6000 and 10000 and she said double what she typically paid before the pandemic. Wow. I've, heard, I've heard this a bit, actually. Um, prices are ridiculous after the pandemic. Uh, pandemic. I miss the choice and the freedom to go back and forth, said Miss Lu, who used to visit China every summer. It's been such a tragedy for us not to be able to go back to our own country. So for nearly three years, China's maintained some of the harshest travel restrictions in the world. And what's interesting about that is... It's only recently that um, they've been allowing people in the country and they don't have to have COVID tests. Mm. That's um, and for the longest time, you have, had to have, you have had to have COVID tests. And during that time, when um, Chinese traveled here or somewhere else and they had to have a COVID test, they was complaining about it. Mm. And you're like, hello, seriously? Yeah. But anyway, uh, so, yep, yeah, so for nearly three years, uh, China maintained some of the harsh border, blah, blah. The ruling Communist Party enforced a zero COVID policy. You remember we spoke right. about this uh, 
last year they locked mm. down a, a city of 20 million people yeah. for like I don't know how many days. Days and days, if not weeks, in some cases. Absolutely just ridiculous stuff. And you remember how they just threw people in a room and then barricaded their door and just, mm. yeah, they've got wonderful ways of doing things. Yeah. Overseas visitors who didn't uh, manage to enter China were sometimes forced to quarantine uh, for up to two months at their own expense. Mm. Wow. And some travellers, you're going to love this, some travellers... Even had to undergo, I just need to get anal swab COVID testing. What? Uh, just what? in case you didn't hear that, it was anal swab COVID, COVID <laughs> testing. A sphincter says what? Yes, exactly <laughs> right. Exactly right. Triggering what? protests from the governments outside China. Who would have thought? Who would have thought people would be upset about that? Yeah. Um, Anyway, China's what was isolation. The Jeez. Uh, it's China. I don't know. China's isolation had broad ripple effects. I'm sure they were broad effects. Universities shut down academic exchanges with the mainland and multinational companies shifted their supply chains to other countries. Millions of Chinese immigrants overseas in countries like US, Britain, Canada, and Malaysia suffered the heaviest emotional cost, unable to get home because of the pandemic, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. I've got a few show and tells here, but We've one picture I just will show. Uh, if anyone watches on the vid, you'll see a totally empty, a hundred percent empty. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that was the customs, is it? The uh, border, border, Ameri border Ameri uh, that was American Airlines check in counter at Shanghai Pudong International Airport on Friday. Uh, wow, M many people struggling to book a plane, stymied by high prices and lack of direct flights. So that's from China to America or out? The other, other way out around, I think. I think it's the other way around. Oh, okay. So, I think it's both ways, to be honest. Mm. I think. I think. The biggest barrier that came down last month when the Chinese government resumed issuing tourist visas, China has also said would reinstate the 10-year visas that have been suspended during the pandemic facilitating the travel of many overseas visitors. So... Mm. Wow. That's pretty much, pretty much. Well, uh, I'm not quite uh, there, but near enough sort of thing. So. Yeah. Well, I guess tourism's not going to be big in, in China for, for a little while. <laughs> well, no, I not think in, you're not right. In terms of, not in terms of dollars. <laughs> no, no, well, no, no. Well, not in terms of uh, people, the tourist dollar, you mean? Mm, yeah, being able yeah, to get I there mean, and be able to spend if they can't yeah, get in. Uh, uh, well, absolutely, but as you know, the um, I think the tariffs have come down from Bali for from Australia importing into China, etc. So uh, you know, okay. yeah. they're, they're still making better dollars from that perspective. But yeah. yeah. Anyway, I'll just finish with this: doing business in China is not something you can do over the phone from the United States. He said you have to sit with people, you have to go to dinners, and you have to drink a lot. You have to yeah. invest and grow relationships here. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. It's not easy. It's not easy. No. Um, well, interesting. Yeah, it is uh, a little bit, but just mm. before you, just a tiny word from our sponsor and then back on to you. Hey, this is Hannah Melville Ray from the Australia Institute. I'm listening to the new blurt with Wensi and the Kegster, and you should be too. It's on Tuesday nights live from around 8 p.m. Yes.
We are live, except for when we're a little bit late, like today. But we're still live, though. We're still, <laughs> still live. live, but yeah, still live, live but right. not exactly eight. Usually around oh. about eight. Well, 8 p.m.-ish. I think she even said 8 p.m.-ish. Yes. Did, did she did say 8 p.m.? Uh, yeah, around eight. Around yeah. 8 p.m. That's right. Around um, 8 p.m. That's right. <laughs> um, before I continue on from the story that I started in the wrong segment, um, oh, Ash, yes. Ash Filzame was born in Haiti. Yes, yep. and yes. grew up in, yes. in 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 Miami. So apologies yep. for getting that wrong. We should have known. We have yes. had him on our show a couple of times. So we yes. have. I'm trying to get him back, but he's just all over the place at the moment, yeah. and I can't is he nail in him the down. Country? Well, it's a great question. Um, yeah. I think he is. I think he is. But um, yeah, I I am going to endeavour to get him back on because we have to talk to him. He's always fun. I didn't see him on the comedy, the Melbourne Comedy International Festival. Lineup, oh yes so. oh yes 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 yes, yes. he was oh, there yes. yeah yeah absolutely oh, okay yeah, yeah oh, he was cool. yeah awesome. yeah did a lot of gigs yep mm. and he's been up at the sydney international comedy festival yep. as well and it's our turn end of this week we have a month of international international acts as well as australian acts oh did you really yeah the brisbane comedy festival i didn't know you had a comedy yeah. festival when did that yeah. start oh it's been a few years um since i've been here but Nowhere near as big as the Melbourne, of course. We don't get all the same acts. We get a lot of the ones that um, performed in, in, in Melbourne, but not all of them. But yes, we digress, as we always and sometimes do. Um, like I said earlier this evening in the previous segment, um, a few weeks ago, I actually spoke about the Chinese government who allegedly have been setting up these police outposts in other countries. And in particular, in the January podcast, I spoke about a little office, um, nondescript office in um, New York, in lower Manhattan, to, uh, to be exact. And at the time, the Chinese denied that any law enforcement activities were being conducted. Um, in America? In America and other countries as well. So they have these um, offices in buildings and there's no signage to say what they are or anything but apparently they're officially they're there to help chinese um uh, citizens in foreign countries to help them with things like renewing their driver's license back back in china or applying for visas but there's been just, rumors just a, just a question don't mm. they have an chinese ambassador and a Chinese and, consulate in and, America and that, yeah. to do that? You'd think. And and that's why there's been these rumours and these investigations prior to a couple of weeks ago where they've suspected that they've actually been doing other things. So you, you're saying they're expected of doing... Trying to um, arrest or, or, or get rid of Chinese dissidents out of those countries to... To be able to persecute them or, or, or take them to court, in, if you, in inverted commas, yeah, um, yeah. back in China. So that's all been uh, sort of alleged activities that they've um, been doing in these offices. But uh, about a week or two ago, the FBI arrested two Chinese men with act as agents of the Chinese government and with obstructing police. Um, they are said to have used the police outposts, all these officers, to intimidate Chinese dissidents living in the US on China's behalf. 
Um, what's what's the US saying about this? I wouldn't have thought they'd be too happy. No, they're not happy. So there are international laws where if you want to do policing, you have to ask for permission in that country. Right. Where you go to the consulate um, and talk to the ambassador and say, hey, I want to do this. And then you get the both law enforcement's working together and you do your thing. But this has been all under hush, under hush. the radar, hush, hush. So. so they haven't talked to anyone about this. They've just come in no. and set these things up. Yeah, so hence and why the FBI so got involved to, to prove all this. Very yeah. sneaky. Um, uh, there's apparently um, over 100 of these officers around around the world in Ireland um, and other European countries, oh possibly God. even in in Australia. I was going to say um, in Australia, gee whiz. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the charges um, were unveiled in the um, for these two. One uh, was against thirty four Chinese police officers accused of harassing Chinese nationals who lived in the New York area, and another charge was against eight Chinese officials accused of directing a Zoom employee based in China to remove dissidents from the platform. Um, the Manhattan Police Outpost, court papers say, was overseen by the Fuzhou Municipal Public Security Bureau, a branch of China's Ministry of Public Security. It's one of scores of such operations around the world that have unnerved diplomats and intelligence officials. Um, so the two men, one age 61 and the other one uh, 59, um, came out of a, an investigation by the FBI and the US Attorney's Office, um, which conducted its operations without jurisdiction or diplomatic approval, like I said a few moments ago. One of the US attorney uh, attorneys in Brooklyn said, today's charges are a crystal clear response to the PRC, People's Republic of China, that we are onto you. We know what you're doing and we will stop it from happening in the United States of America. We don't need or want a secret police station in our great city. So with this, I'm guessing that the FBI are going to pursue this quite heavily to make sure it doesn't get out of hand and they can start controlling what's happening in their city. So augurs yeah, so. not augurs not go well uh, mm. for Chinese and American relations. I yeah, think, unfortunately. Yeah, so and that's happening um, all around the world as we've seen with our Australian officials having uh, diplomatic spats with with China over the last few years and not helped by the fact that we've sided with the US and, and the UK with the submarine deals get going new trying to better missiles that have greater reach in the latest uh, defense papers that was released by our government yesterday I think it was um, things like that so yeah mm. not 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 helping the the diplomatic uh, dialogue between us and China no That's not the greatest sure. no it's not no. the greatest is it it's not the greatest no but, so um... yeah I thought that was an interesting story and if and when charges or or if they are found guilty or or not, I will keep an eye on this story. And when it develops, I'll bring it up in the future. No, absolutely. Absolutely. No, that's a really good one. Mm. Um, yeah, we definitely want to keep on top of that because, yeah, that, yeah not a good story. <laughs> no, no, no curious. It's, it's yeah. intriguing. <laughs> yeah, it is intriguing. There's no doubt about that. No doubt about that. So we will be back with good news because we all need hey. some. Yay. 
We certainly do. Cool, cool. I'm going to talk about a New South Welsh family who recently on their holiday went on a holiday to cross the uh, Simpson Desert, which is now called, uh, had it here before, Munga Tiri National Park. Nice. Yeah, they're doing a lot yeah. of that, aren't they? They're renaming many of the national parks with uh, yeah. First Nations names. Yeah. yeah. Um, we had a park close to where we used to live in Kelvin Grove. It was called Victoria Park. Now they've called, they're calling it Barambin, I think is how you pronounce it. Um, so, yeah, we're starting to, to nominate or call them by their uh, First Nations uh, names that they used to have, so which is good. I, think I agree. A great nod. Um, but, yes, this, this family of four um, had to be rescued from the Mungotiri National Park a couple of weeks, or last week, sorry. They'd been travelling with friends across New South Wales into uh, the desert, pulling a caravan. Their caravan broke down. They radioed in by satellite. Uh, so they were obviously well and had advised authorities what they were doing. And they were told to, to try to keep going, and which they tried to do. But their car's chassis apparently got damaged um, in, in the process of pulling this caravan across the terrain. And they were, had right. to sit it out for so quite a while. When they're pulling this across the Simpson Desert, excuse my ignorance, is there any any roads for them to drive on? They're not going just driving through the, the desert as such. I believe there are some tracks that people follow, and I'll get onto it how I know that in a minute. Okay. Um, but yeah, so yeah, so they tried to get down uh, to to the Birdsville track, the very famous Birdsville track, um, but the vehicle got worse and worse. So. And they couldn't really progress much because about a week ago, we also had Cyclone Ilsa that crossed WA. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so because of that, the weather was coming across the country and it made things worse for them. So they had to sit tight. Um, eventually, the police, Birdsville police and park rangers were able to travel the 270 kilometres um, to evacuate the family last Tuesday were able to get them out. The family were quite prepared with their adventures. They had plenty of supplies, so they had more than a week's worth of supply. So even if they were stuck there, they would have easily not starved or gotten into any danger. We so had is that, of... so sorry, is that exactly what this was? This was an adventure? like Yeah, so it's just a, a camping trip, basically, right. and it's one of those um, things that some people do. I wouldn't do, but... Um, I wouldn't either. Um, yeah, but obviously for campers um, who love going bush, uh, it's one of those... Pro campers. Pro yeah. campers. Yeah, and I don't, I'm not opposed to doing camping, but yeah, that's a bit too extreme and too yeah. long for me. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I like I like my necessities like a bathroom and, and everything else and a hot shower. <laughs> I can do one or two nights, but not, not a week or two without all that. Father, Mr. Thompson yeah, we... said... We're too soft, Wensy. Oh, uh, we are way too soft. Um, yeah, I've still I've still got soft hands, like I've never worked a hard day's job in my life. I know I'm the same <laughs> as you. I'm the same as you. Apart from my nails being in a disgraceful state, my hands are stupidly <laughs> soft. I remember I used to grab my dad's hand when I was young, and they were so rough and so yeah. hard. Yep. And um, yeah, I got yeah. the same memories of my dad. And but he always said to me, he always said. Feel my hand, son. Never let yours get like that. 
Mm. No, yes. Mr. But, Thompson told the ABC the ordeal was a good experience and forced the family to enjoy the beauty of the outback. We had plenty of supplies, including food and cold beers, which is the most important thing for an Australian oh, family. Of course. Right? Absolutely. <laughs> yes, for sure. Yeah, and they played games and stuff. So, yeah, they, um, they had a coffee machine and an air fryer, so they were more than prepared. Kids had their iPads, so that obviously had solar-powered generated um batteries and whatever yeah no they definitely sound prepared they sound like they're all over it definitely yeah and the reason why i know this is a colleague of mine at work he's preparing to cross probably the same desert i think it's the simpson desert but from brisbane heading out west and heading into northern territory yeah they're playing he's going with a group of i think eight ten vehicles he's bought himself a special satellite phone he's advised um the authorities of course uh, and everyone else. So, yeah, he's well prepared. He's looking forward to it. But, yeah, yeah, it should be interesting when he comes back. I'm curious to see all the stories, hear the stories and photos and everything else. I'd imagine some of the photos would be amazing and the stories, mm. yeah, it will be unforgettable. Yeah. So, and one thing I didn't know, he's got his, he bought and he's shown me photos. He's got this massive four meter long flag that he has to put on his bull bar because on the sand dunes, as you're going up and down, you don't get to see the vehicle, but you can see the flag if you're going up a crest and someone's coming on the other side. Oh, the last right. thing you want is for them to yeah. crash. Yes. So by seeing, by having a four meter flag, yeah, you get you get an opportunity to, to see these vehicles. Oh wow! So, so yeah. I've seen those flags before, but I never yeah. realised what they were for. Fantastic! Yeah. Excellent! Yeah, there you oh. go. That is a very very interesting story, mm. Wensy. And uh, yeah, no, look, I look forward to. You coming back with information with your friend mm. on that one. That sounds yeah. pretty awesome. I've got a nice uh, quick one here, and it's got a little bit of show and tell as well. Getting uh, on with the show as usually, uh, as usual. So I'll, I will be moderately quick on this one. But rare footage of the elusive northern hairy-nosed wombat, the largest burrowing marsupial in the world, which is pretty cool, wow. has been captured in regional Queensland, raising no, hope. Queensland. That's it. Raising hopes the species may be back from the brink of extinction. Nice. So the northern hairy-nosed wombat is one of the most endangered animals on the earth. In 1980, there was only 30 of the animals that existed. Wow. And Australia has three wombat species, including the southern and bear-nosed wombat. It used to be widespread throughout Queensland, but it's critically endangered now. And I I imagine, I'm not sure, but I imagine that's from tree felling and land Mm. clearing and all that sort of bullshit i assume yeah the australian wildlife conservancy uh conservancy photographer video uh brad lou unexpectedly captured the footage of one of 16 mammals believed to call richard underwood nature refuge home in southwest queensland in october and i have i have a tiny very small video but well worth having a look at uh, of of the little creature so here we go that's that's pretty awesome. So it's very um, clear. It High is, definition. It, absolutely. If you're uh, listening on the pod, the, the show, links will be in the show notes as always. And it's worth having a look at because it's super cute and it's mm. a fantastically good news story. There's a whole bunch of information on where it was, where it is. It's got a little map. Uh, it's not a huge article. It doesn't take a lot uh, to read it. Um, but I would totally read it in its entirety it's worth doing so i'm going to uh just finish with 
just a couple of things here. The northern uh, hairy-nosed wombats are slow breeders with, with females giving birth to only one joey a year. So that's mm. obviously not going to help with extinction. No. Um, critically low population, losing one individual obviously is a big deal. Mm. So yeah. we know this amazing, unique animal is recovering, though very slowly, but it's still a precious situation, precarious situation. We still have a long way to go. In the meantime... Mr. Lou is uh, staking out the elusive animals was his dream gig. So that is pretty good news. Nice. Uh, well, let's I'm, hope our population gets more and more. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, no, look, absolutely. That is absolutely correct. And um, with that, I think uh, people have been on the pod tonight and anyone watching the vid, it'll be Wensi and I pretty much out. Pretty much. Um, Wednesday, have you've got uh, what? What do people do if they want to listen to the show and they haven't listened to the show before? Uh, tune in to all your streaming services, your podcast services, and do a search for the new Blurt. You'll find us everywhere, uh, or you can subscribe to the new Blurt.substack.com. Email us on blurtstar at gmail.com. or if you fancy social media, you we've got Twitter Blurt at Blurt New. Spoutable, we should yes. be on Applet New as I think well. It's the same. Yes, it is, and the we're same. on Instagram as well, of course. Yes. So we're on all the social media platforms. We do post regularly, not often enough, but we do post. Correct. Join in the conversation. We're happy to respond. Absolutely, and the really good news is our, re, um, our expert economist is back with us, Maria Toflaga. Uh, we've had a bit of a chat. Uh, she's on, been on a little bit of a hiatus. She's had a lot of work that she's been doing. Um, but she will be with us, and she'll be with us in a couple of weeks' time. So hang out for that one. It will be excellent. And the fact is that uh, when she comes on, uh, the May budget, I think, is just around the corner. So it'll be mm. perfect timing for us. So yeah. that'll be really good. So we'll start formulating our questions. And I've already sort of I had a chat and said, look, we'll probably talk about the budget. Mm. And um, and anything else that you think may be relevant at the time, yeah. or you know, whatever. But I think, yeah, definitely, um, yeah, it should be fun. It should be a lot of fun. So it's good night for us. Good night for me. And it's good night for me. Adios. See you next week. Bye. Oh yeah, go pies. Go pies. The new Blurred is brought to you by Wensi and Kickstarter, usually on a Tuesday evening. You can catch us on all the socials, as they say, the Blurt YouTube channel. We have a Twitter Blurt handle, and there is a Blurt Star Facebook page as well. So, if you're interested in getting getting in touch, it's blurtstar at gmail.com, and we will get back to you as soon as we can if you've got any questions. Until next week, there'll be another feed coming at you. Has been a Get Off The Grass production. It's brought to you by Wincy and Kickstarter.